What does it mean to manufacture a stronger standard? At DeGeist Steelworks, it means to solve challenges and help manufacturers achieve more through our people, our technology, and our belief that anything is possible. This is Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, a podcast by DeGeist Steelworks. Hello and welcome to Manufacturing a Stronger Standard. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, and today we're bringing you the third installment in a series on upskilling your workforce. In previous episodes in this series, we've explored how DeGeist Steelworks is utilizing technology and automation to empower employees to take greater ownership of the manufacturing process. And today we're going to examine how automation or robotics can be successfully implemented into a facility and and go over a couple of use cases and examples of how that's done. And this isn't just for people who are just now implementing robotics or automation. This can be for anybody in manufacturing. So joining me for this conversation, as he has for the previous two episodes in this series, is Derek DeGeese, the president of DeGeese Steelworks. Derek, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks, Tyler. It's great to be here. Um, Excited to talk about... uh... Uh, upscaling our workforce again and how we can implement that into our into our manufacturing facilities absolutely this has been a fun series just to get to go through and talk about some of the uh, some of the high points here on this uh, on this topic and, and today you know when I think about this, Derek, I understand that there can be some apprehension on the part of companies when it comes to first bringing in automation or robotics into facilities. So when we're talking about this, what are some of the best practices for implementation that companies can follow to make sure that this process goes smoothly or if they've already implemented you know, automation, you know, how to make sure that it all goes uh, according to plan and benefits the manufacturing process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the ways that to, to really break down and get rid of the apprehension and the fear that some companies have when they're looking at adding automation or whether their their facility and their team is ready to be able to uh, add that um, into their operation um, is to uh, add problem solving groups. That's something that we've had a lot of uh, a, a lot of really good uh, progress and solutions that have come out of these groups. You know, it doesn't have to sound corny either. I mean, these groups get together to be able to solve the problems that we have. And what happens a lot of the time is that we're going to get a robot or we're going to get a new piece of equipment and we train one person or we train the key person and they become the the champion, uh, the problem solver, and uh, the person that takes all responsibility for that entire process or operation. Um, And uh, that doesn't always work very well because then it's always the new pieces of equipment or that person's problem and it isn't anyone else's and so uh that that can happen a lot and so when when one person has to own an entire thing by themselves um it doesn't take into account all the other upstream or downstream processes that can that can new variables into an operation and cause problems that can't be can't be solved um at looking at it individually Right, I think that's uh, I think that's a really good point. So, how have you witnessed uh, this working in, in real life? When you when you talk about how to avoid, you know, just having one individual, how do you bring other people into that process, and how have you seen this work and, and seen this exemplified in your experience? Sure, absolutely. About six years ago, we hired an individual and we got a robot, and it was going to be amazing. We told we read all the stuff about robots and automation. And I repeated it right as I was reading it from the magazines, and it was going to be the most amazing thing ever. And uh, all this was going to be really fantastic. And we got our, our welding, first welding robot in, and we, we had tacked parts. We used fixtures when we tack up our parts for, for welding. And so we tacked up our parts. We put it up on the robot. 
we made a program and it looked absolutely beautiful. And then the next time we did it, it looked terrible. Yeah, it's the robot's fault. The robot had a problem. So we redo it and get it through again. We get it working. And next time, something else was wrong. And then the robot had a problem again, or the robot's fault, and it's not my problem, or someone else is upset because they got to help uh, clean it up or fix it, fix it while we're trying to keep it going. We kept chasing our tail. And that's when we kind of developed our problem-solving teams was out of our, um, out of our own struggle. Um, what, we were, what we were experiencing um, wasn't the robot's fault. Um, uh, but we didn't know that until we got together to be able to talk together as a group. We got other departments involved, and we really broke down and analyzed what were the variables, what things were changing, because the robot was doing the same thing, but we were getting different results. Well, everybody thought that they were doing the same thing like they normally do, but the problem was is that in each department, uh, they were what they were doing, the person was compensating for our on the fly, the normal manual welder and that you don't even realize you're doing. So when we broke down, we found out that we were, we we're uh, nesting our parts um, differently out, out of each sheet and out of different sheets. And so the bending was coming out just a half a degree more or less. And then when that fit up happened, that fit up was changing. It still fit in the fixture. We still tacked it together. It still looked good, but it was giving us a different result with our welding. So by looking at that, we got the brake guys involved and laser guys involved. We kind of we changed how the parts were coming together, a different way for them to check. They saw what they were doing and how that was the the effect that what their job was doing to the to the robot and to the paint department. And so everybody ended up getting involved and saw saw how they could help improve and help the next step in the in the process. And what happened was that they became engaged and involved in that the robotic project, and it wasn't. And they were supporting the robot in that automation instead of just blaming it. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And I think what that creates is that uh, that holistic approach throughout the entire manufacturing process, where everyone understands the form, the function, and, and what is being uh, asked and what is being required. And I think that that really brings about a, a, a total team mentality, but then b successful results, right? And so, um, talk a little bit more about that importance of that holistic approach to the manufacturing operation and the benefits of that. Absolutely, I. I've been to a lot of manufacturing facilities and there's something that can be learned everywhere I go. And every different uh, manufacturer is in a different stage in their, in their evolution of the technologies they're incorporating. But there are some really ingenious things that people have come up with. And I've rarely ever left a facility not finding something that I found interesting that we could do better. Um, and that's something that, that I, I really like to see. But I've also seen places that have implemented or got a new piece of equipment, the big, fancy, fastest thing, and now they're, 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 everything is better and uh, they have all the new technology. But to, that's where we kind of challenge people to look at it holistically and find ways to engage your workforce on all levels. Uh, it's really important that they are involved in that entire process and that not to silo and to be able to get your technology and automation segmented into separate groups that don't get to talk to each other because they may think they're doing everything right and they may not even know that they're affecting someone else. Yeah. So do you have an example uh, of how that works and kind of give me an idea of uh, when this is fully put into practice and things aren't siloed and everything is working together and talking and communicating the way that it needs to. First of all, it really sounds like communication is a huge aspect of this. So give me an idea or, or an example of how this has been fleshed out um, in, in real kind of practical applications. Yeah. In our Degee Steelworks facility, we've, uh, 
Um, we've got a lot of different automation equipment, and then we've got uh, quite a few still manual uh, operations as well. And the challenge is to try to connect that as quickly as you can. You're only as fast uh, and efficient as your weakest and most inefficient uh, stage in your process. And for us, uh, what continually would come up over and over again, and I know many uh, manufacturers struggle with this, is finding parts. The parts were getting lost. People were searching the shop, looking for something. It says it's done. So-and-so knew they finished it. They set it here. They can't find it. So now the next department's looking for sometimes two minutes, sometimes 20 minutes. We have a big facility trying to find something. Sometimes we find it. Sometimes it would have been way cheaper just to make it again than to find some of these smaller parts. Uh, and it can be very frustrating um, for the, whoever is in it. And everyone at our facility, and they all understand the importance of time and they get frustrated when they can't find something and what we found out is once we got our problem solving groups on this topic we found out is that that the other upstream uh processes did not know they thought they were putting it in the best place to help out the next the next department and then uh when it wasn't there and they were looking around and you had two people looking for a part that might cost 75 cents and it's uh it's uh, very frustrating. So uh, <laughs> our group got together and we said, uh, what are we going to do? Here's a problem and it's affecting all departments. Um, so how can we solve this together? And someone mentioned um, how, how they said, well, we get all of our parts from UPS and Amazon. And I know where those are all the time. My package from Prime is going to be here tomorrow at before two. Um, and we said, well, yeah, that is. How can we do that? You know, there's, there's something that you don't have to have a fancy robotic system or, or uh, really high-end multi-million dollar machine. Um, this is something that's a scanner. And so uh, how can we use these scanners? So our teams got together and we came up with a way to use the barcodes that we already have on our prints. And then we created barcode locations everywhere in the shop. And then as our departments started using these, then they would have to ask where they're going to go because we don't have a location in this certain area. And, and the other downstream department then decides and works with them to find that location so that uh, everything has a place. So now uh, over the last uh, uh, last year or so, we've been we've used this, but we used it right out of the chute when it came out and it just kept growing. We added new locations throughout our shop until our entire shop was uh, is marked so that anything that gets sat down has a location. So that automated that entire process so that we have eyes on everything in our shop. And then it also streamlined it and people were able to work together. And now what used to take, uh, I don't want to even think of how long we probably searched per week looking for parts, trying to be efficient. Now it just happens automatically. And people are using it by just clicking and shooting a, a scanner on a print, which they already had in their hand when they set it down where they're at. And it was a very powerful, uh, massive time-saving uh, 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 problem-solving uh, solution that our team came up with together in this entire shop. Uh, everyone was involved, everyone had a touch point, and everyone owns that solution. Yeah, and you know, we, we talked off the top just that... Um... You know, this can be implemented by people that are now implementing robotics and automation into uh, manufacturing facilities, but also for companies that have maybe done this in the past, but it felt like uh, this wasn't necessarily successful for us, or we're still not being as efficient as we'd like to be. How can you speak to that, uh, to that particular issue, to those people, to those companies that are uh, trying to work through how to best make this work for them, even after they've already implemented robotics and automation? You know, how can you kind of speak to that a a little bit more. Sure, you're exactly right there, Tyler. It isn't. This isn't just for newcomers that are thinking about getting automation or thinking of their first robot or 
um, getting a new piece of equipment. This is this can be used by any manufacturer at any level, and a lot of them already do this in some in some sort of way as well. But be able to engage your workforce to be able to have uh, ownership in the solution and be able to voice their uh, frustration or see things. You have more eyes on problems. You see the, the, your blind spots because you're not relying on a couple key people to solve every problem. And so uh, an example of that for us is uh, with our company, Lesta USA, uh, our robotic paint system, um, we have a lot of parts that are automatic and, and robotic, but we also have hundreds of different parts that we paint all the time. And so as uh, we got more and more parts automated and programmed in our system and our robots taught how to paint these parts, we now have more parts that are that are programmed than not, and so we came up with a, we had a problem where uh, our operators that were um, in our in our paint system didn't know when new parts were coming on because most of them were programmed. So we were getting a delay in our process because the robot would wait and there wouldn't be anyone ready because there was no one there that knew there was a new part coming from a different group that was loading the parts um, on the line. So. Uh, our uh, automation team created a platform on our production manager software that, that manages uh, taking a normal conveyor and making a smart conveyor for a robot to work with. That's a product of Lesta USA. And we use that to create another screen for visualization at the robots or mobily on any mobile app so that they can see at a glance if there's any new parts coming. So if all line items of upcoming parts are green, if we get a red line item, we know we got one coming up that's not programmed. And so they can, the team can plan their time to be efficiently at the stations needed to be able to do the operation to be able to make sure we got everything green lighted in our process. So Derek, I want to give you the the opportunity here as we, we begin to wrap up this episode just to maybe summarize uh, a little bit more, just to, to wrap a bow, let's say, on this topic as it relates to implementing automation and robotics into manufacturing facilities. Um, just how would you summarize your approach to this and, and maybe what you've learned and, and the various examples that you've shared with us so far? Automation, robotics are key to be able to engage your workforce, but also is key to all of our us manufacturers to be competitive and to continue to evolve. And to do that, we need to come up with problem-solving groups and ways for our employees and companies to work together to be able to break down the process, look, for, look holistically at the problems upstream and down and how they affect each other. And then that will help keep them engaged and help them be a part of this process. And not just using a couple key people in your leadership team to come up with all the solutions. Instead, by doing this, we're creating problem solvers throughout our entire shop and facility. And this is what's going to um, help uh, upskill our employees and help all, of our, um, help all of them accomplish more. Yeah. And, you know, just even as you're talking about that and explaining that, you know, it, it, what comes to mind is this is a lesson in not just manufacturing and automation, robotics and, and all of the things we're talking about, but also just a lesson in leadership and in learning how to lead people and to empower them to do their jobs, which is really what we've been talking about as we talk about upskilling the workforce it is simply, you know, how are you leading people? How are you helping them improve what they're able to do and how can you uh, help them utilize their skills, their talents, their creativity? Uh, to benefit the overall operation of the company, right? So, you know, this is really a lesson in leadership as much as it is about automation and robotics. There's a lot of ways 
that everybody can get involved and everyone can be part of the solution. Derek, it's always a pleasure getting a chance to, to talk to you. And uh, I've really enjoyed this series that we've done on upskilling your workforce. So thank you for uh, once again joining me on this episode of Manufacturing a Stronger Standard. And I look forward to doing more of these in the future. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Manufacturing a Stronger Standard by DeGeast Steelworks. We appreciate it very much. Of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or just about anywhere where you get your podcasts to make sure that you can hear previous episodes of the show as well as uh, be you know aware of future episodes uh, that are upcoming. So uh, make sure you do that or bookmark whatever webpage you're listening to this on so you can make sure to find future episodes of the show. Of course, we will be back soon with more episodes. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern, and for my guest, Derek DeGeest, have a great day.